welcome to the Old Soul Movie Podcast, your number one spot for classic movie rewatches and breakdowns. My name is Jack Oremus, and I'm here with my sister, Emma Oremus. We decided that we wanted to make a show that reflected our love and appreciation for classic movies. And while you're here, hopefully we can share that together as an Old Soul family. We're going to be diving into these movies scene by scene and giving our modern reactions to the films that have influenced generations of people. There will be fun facts, hot takes, tears, laughter, and everything in between. And with that being said, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Old Soul Movie Podcast. What a week this has been. A lot of action going on outside and a lot of action going on in the uh, Old Soul Movie Pod. So, uh, Emma, how are you today? And would you like to tell everyone sort of this little experiment that we're doing this week? Yes. So it has been a, a trip, I feel like, these last few days. So this episode and our next week's episode are going to be really easy and fun. And if you check out our social media, we'll um, sprinkle some of our uh, other favorite past episodes that we've had of movie reviews if you're looking for a movie, like a full-on movie review. Uh, but this week, we have we decided to do something very interesting, something we've never done before, and we're calling it our Dealer's Choice episode. So what we decided on was that Jack would recommend a movie to me that I haven't seen, and I would recommend a movie to Jack that he hasn't seen. And we'll come together on this episode and then discuss our thoughts on these films. So I yeah. am so excited to yeah. talk about it. Definitely. So the movie that I decided that I wanted Emma to watch was from 1934 and it's called It Happened One Night. Now, this is a movie that I saw for the first time when I was a freshman in college and university. So roughly like four or five years ago. It, it's been a while since I'd seen it, but I remembered that this was just, it, it held up so nicely that I was very surprised. The short story of the format of the class was we would study a certain genre of film and kind of see how it progresses throughout the, the decades and the different periods of, uh, I guess, the industry. And the genre that we were studying was romantic comedy. And so you might not be able to tell it from the title of the movie, but It Happened One Night is in fact like an OG rom-com. It's not some like, <laughs> slasher thriller, <laughs> even though that's what it kind of comes off as. It is a rom-com pre-code directed by Frank Capra. It stars Clark Gable, Claudette Colbert. Awesome, awesome cast and just like a really simple but I think effective story. It is the first of only three films along with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Silence of the Lambs to win all five major Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and best adapted screenplay. So it's not just, you know, my word for it or other people's words for it. It is <laughs> a very like well-known acclaimed movie. So Emma, what what were your thoughts? How did you like it? What stood out to you? Wow. Well, let me begin with maybe why I haven't seen it because I'm embarrassed to say that I have not seen this film. It's actually a really important piece of film history, but I've been thinking about it. And when we have been talking about movies that I haven't personally seen, I realized that I don't actively seek out rom-coms that often. 
Yeah. And with that, I've certainly missed some really important ones. I do love romantic comedies a lot. I guess I just don't feel like I'm like, oh, I have to see that. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if someone recommends one to me, absolutely. I will check it out and hit it up. And I usually end up loving it. And spoiler alert, this one is no different. I loved it. (laughs) I'm actually very certain I've seen the ending of this on TCM like ages ago, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. And yeah, this one just slipped by me over the years. And I also, I don't really venture into the early to mid thirties as much per se as other eras. So I think that was kind of part of why I haven't seen it. I also always confuse this movie with the miracle of Morgan's Creek from 1943, even though they're completely different stories and have nothing to do with each other. I always think that it's the same movie, but it's definitely not. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I've just, bypassed this one and checked out other things, but I'm so happy that you dealt me this and I knocked it off my checklist because it's actually a really important one. So before I watched it going into it, I kind of read like the premise and the premise sounded really similar to Roman holiday for me. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of what I thought I might be getting. So watching it, I just... A, Frank Capra, amazing director. I just, I love his work. And I think his, he does a really good job with just sentiments and uh, yeah, feelings, like emotions. General, yeah, yeah, feelings. <laughs> so uh, I could, I feel like that's really shown through in this movie. And yeah, I just, I love Frank Capra as a director. He did great. Right off the beginning, when they're on the yacht or, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the beginning hardcore reminded me of the F. Scott Fitzgerald short story, The Offshore Pirate. Also pretty different story compared to this one, but that one struck me as being like the, the setup was similar to me. So I got this very old school vibe right off the bat. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, but I, and I believe this was based off of another short story. I forget what it was called, but I believe this was also kind of literary inspired. And this film, when I was watching it and it hit me like, oh yeah, this is 1934. It just barely makes the pre-code era. I actually think this is one of the last pre-code era films to come out. Uh, February 1934. Yeah, that would be right at the end there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, which is, if we can recall, the pre-code era was a time period that didn't really hardcore enforce the production code. So because of that, I felt like when I watched this, it did feel like it had a very modern feel with the romance vibes. So for example, like her having a romance with a man different than her husband, I thought that that was pretty non-conservative. And so that helped me, I guess, feel like I could get into this more as a modern watcher because, you know, life is messy these days and ages. (laughs) And uh, there's just, yeah, there's like overall just so many cute, sweet, romantic parts. Like, and there is a lot of sauciness back to that pre-code era, like him changing in front of her and my word, he was shirtless. And then her changing behind the curtain. Uh, Yet at the same time, despite all this risqueity, there is a very, very pure feeling of falling in love throughout the whole movie. And this is a spoiler alert, but 
I think that might be because they don't kiss or like express physical displays of affection. Yeah, it's kind of more like tension. Right, slowly it's building. the tension, yeah. which I think helped me, which really sold me personally, I think, mm-hmm. on their love story. Because the tension, that little like emotional foreplay is to me <laughs> the best part of the battle. It's the best part of a rom-com for me. And this is like the entirety of the film. So it's really cool. Yeah, and there's just moments that were really good setups, like Shapely, that annoying guy on the bus talking to her that really hit home. It's like, yeah, like I've definitely encountered annoying strangers. (laughs) (laughs) And she has great sass. I also loved the fashion, the makeup, the hair that Claudette Colbert was sporting. It was so fun to see that 1930s style in action. Going off that, just based off of like, the film, the cinematography, you can tell that this is from the 30s. So it's its really cool. It's its more newfangled than things you watch in the 20s, but a little bit more rough around the edges than something you'd watch even in the late 30s to 40s. So it kind of felt like this really cool pause or slice in time that you just don't see very often. And it was it just made me reflect on how far we've come in terms of cameras <laughs> mm-hmm. to now like 90 years later yeah yeah i mean so, so nuts. Much, what is it yeah 90 practically 90 really crazy and you know and going off that note i felt like i could definitely see some historical influences from the great depression i thought that money it was definitely a big part of this and community so i Saw that poking through a lot. Uh, oh, and I also greatly appreciated the donut dunking lesson from Clark Gable. I thought that oh. was pretty logical and helped me out. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, no, and I oh, here are here were some of my favorite scenes. So I loved the scene where the investigators come into the room and they pretend to be married like she's got her hair in front of her trying to hide her face like i thought that was classic classic move right there and the piggyback scene was so i don't know just like sweet sweet romantic the hitchhiking scene so cute and fun that's got to be the most well-known and beloved part of this movie how could you not love it if i can interject (laughs) real quick the thing that makes the hitchhiking scene hilarious from a modern standpoint is that (laughs) she's wearing like you know long sleeves long skirt very (laughs) very modest and the way that she entices a car is like a bringing her Amish skirt up to like her knee and just showing like some of her leg. (laughs) If someone was trying to do that today, they would be out on the street for days and weeks and months. I thought her gams were lovely. And (laughs) I thought that the writing was so good too when um, they're at kind of their last-ish, almost last-ish hotel. Mm -hmm. And like, ooh, you can tell that she's caught some feels and there's unspoken dialogue between them showing that tension it's just tremendous script writing and especially when you're you know you don't have the most crazy amazing cameras and sound system for it to really pull through and you can see that they are falling in love or she's got feelings for him and she doesn't want to go home or go to her husband or whatever uh yeah really terrific my only like tiny tiny baby criticism 
is that- It could be a big criticism. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, I think it's tiny. Was for me, I, I felt like the second formal wedding at the end could be confusing to some because it was stated that they had clearly eloped. Mm-hmm. And I know that this was like the big show and stuff, but maybe I would have preferred if it was like, we're engaged. And then like, this was the real wedding that she was leaving him at the altar. But you know what? They worked it out. I think it turned out fine. Um, I could just see where like, maybe that would be a little confusing to a modern viewer, but Mm -hmm. like, it still made sense because they had to get, then like get the annulment papers. And then it made for the ending. That was so cute, which, uh, with them and the hotel and they asked, or the yeah cabin and they asked for that, clothesline and a blanket and a trumpet and you're like why do they need a trumpet it's all mm-hmm. in reference to breaking the wall down and that was, yeah. that was really sweet like all in all the ending was so cute and a little naughty and i think that this age or ages uh just spectacularly like i really do think that anyone can watch this and appreciate it and i definitely get the sense that this movie was an absolute milestone in the evolution of the romantic comedy genre. And even while watching this, I saw so much of the source of inspiration and countless other movies, including Mel Brooks's movie Spaceballs, which (laughs) the ending of that really harkens back to the ending of this movie and parodies it Mm -hmm. with her leaving her husband at the altar and him being like, Oh, he only took money for gas and toll, uh, which is really similar to what happens <laughs> yeah. to the Clark Gable exactly. character. Yeah. And I also feel like it is this movie and this story is a starting point in the rom com subgenre of road trip love stories, which are some of my absolute favorites. So I loved it. My uh, just kind of like, for you, if you've seen this already, or if you're going to see it, if you saw it and liked it, yeah, if you liked this movie, I highly, highly recommend the Hallmark Christmas movie, A Christmas Detour, with Candace Cameron <laughs> Bure for the holidays. Uh, very similar to this. I would also recommend one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies, The Sure Thing, which has a couple other iconic hitchhiking scenes for a budding romance. And of non-romances, I would recommend my favorite Thanksgiving movie of all time, Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. That's a great platonic platonic (laughs) love story while hiking around the country. (laughs) Those aren't two pillows. (laughs) So good. But yeah, overall, I love this. I'm just, I'm so happy I actually sat down to watch it. Yeah, like I've said, I think that romantic comedies like will just float on by me when my attention is being grabbed. But this is a really important one. It's inspired so many other movies. I got a lot out of it. And I just, I love Clark Gable. So seeing him in action was fun. I love Frank Capra as a director. I, there's really very little to hate on <laughs> this movie. Yeah. No, I'm, I'll love. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm happy you liked it. I thought that you were going to enjoy this one. Yeah, I, I think again, just kind of like what you said, I think it's important to see just kind of where the evolution of the subgenre came from. Like it, mm-hmm. it really, a lot of it was influenced from this, and uh, it's it's cool to kind of see where it all began. And as we near closer to that century mark of a hundred years since like it's been out, we're only fourteen years away, um, yeah. which is just crazy. 
but it's cool to see something from that period, you know, from the cars to the fashion, uh, the historical context, it's, it's all very interesting. So I'm happy you liked it. And yeah, highly recommend it to anybody else who is sort of into that, (laughs) that genre. Absolutely. Yeah. I, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, Yes. Now, Emma, what, (laughs) what movie did you have me watch? So I was so torn. I went through, and Jack can attest to this, like 5 million different movies that I wanted you to watch. But then I would backpedal and be like, no, I want to do a full episode on that or whatever. And this one made my short list. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to deal it to him. And that is the movie Shadow of a Doubt from 1943. So Shadow of a Doubt is an American psychological thriller directed by Alfred Hitchcock, and it stars Teresa Wright and Joseph Cotton. The screenplay was written by Thornton Wilder, who wrote several famous plays, including Our Town, Sally Benson, whose published stories inspired Meet Me in St. Louis, and Alma Reville, a.k.a. Lady Hitchcock. She was Alfred Hitchcock's wife. And in 1991, this film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress, which deemed it as culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. I believe there are eight movies total of Alfred Hitchcock's that hold that honor. And I first watched, so it's no secret, Alfred Hitchcock is my favorite director. I have seen, I don't know if I want to say all, but like up there with close to all of his movies. Mm -hmm. And I first watched this because I had a boxed set of Alfred Hitchcock's best films. I remember. <laughs> I remember. It. it was like burgundy and it had his uh, kind oh, of like his uh, profile but, shot of him. Yeah, it was made of velvet. It was so cool. Yeah. If oh. you can find it, I recommend that. Um, and this one interested me because A, Thornton Wilder wrote it and he's a very prolific writer. And B, it's said to be Alfred Hitchcock's favorite of his own films. And this claim has been backed up several times by both Alfred Hitchcock himself and his daughter throughout the years. This wasn't just like his latest project. And he's like, yeah, this is the best. Like, I feel like the most recent time it's been noted as his favorite was like 2001 or 2002. So pretty high up there in terms of his favorite. And when I first watched this and I was about in middle school, I hated it. I thought it was so bad. I I just, yeah, I didn't like it. But I couldn't stop thinking about it. And since then, I would revisit it over and over a ton of times. And since my first viewing, this has become one of my favorite underrated Hitchcock films ever. And I kind of had a similar experience when I watched this to when I read Wuthering Heights for the first time, where I really wasn't rooting for anyone. I really disliked most, if not all, of the characters, but at the same time, I couldn't look away. And now when I watch it, which I still check it out quite a bit, I just have so much fun when I watch it. And I was really curious, assigning this kind of lesser-known one to Jack to see, out of curiosity, what an outsider would think of it. 
Yeah. Okay. I think the thing that really jumped off the bat to me was the fact that it was Hitchcock's favorite of all his films. And I, I guess you could say maybe it was in the middle of his career or early on to maybe like it was early in his more, I'd say, advanced stages of being a director. Like, would you would you say that that's fair? Like, yeah. is that accurate? I would say that this is the first of his movies that came out where people are like, that's a classic. That's yeah. a masterpiece. Like yeah. that's Hitchcock. So, yeah. so I tried not to do a whole lot of background research going into it. I just kind of wanted to sit down and watch it, like knowing that that was Hitchcock's favorite and roughly about the plot that it's kind of about this young girl who finds out that her uncle that she idolizes might be a serial killer. That's that's all I knew. And so when I started watching it, I really, really enjoyed the film throughout. I think that it was really weird because I it kind of felt like a merging of a few different types of genres. Like it was it was kind of a thriller, like mystery, but also I think the acting was just really stellar from mm-hmm. Teresa Wright and Joseph Cotton uh, in particular. And I was shocked when I saw Henry Travers in it, who, uh, <laughs> as, as we might know him a little bit better, is Clarence, the angel from It's a Wonderful Life. So yeah, when, was I, actually, when I was doing my tiebreaker, yeah. that was actually part of it. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to love seeing Clarence. Yeah. So I was like, wait, is that... Clarence. And so uh, I, I like seeing uh, I like seeing him. He's the father of Teresa, young Charlie, Charlotte Newton. Um, it, it confused me at first. because I was like, wait, he's Charlie. She's Charlie. Uh, that was kind of its own thing. But I thought that Joseph Cotton did a really, really good job of kind of being that uh, like idol, maybe. I don't even know how to describe mm-hmm. it. He He played the role of like good guy, with a dark kind of history super well. And it's a complicated role. Yeah. Very, very complicated. And I really like seeing, I mean, Anne, little Anne, the little girl who's like always reading. I thought she was hilarious. Yeah. I I was going back and forth between like, is Anne gonna pick it up or is Charlie gonna pick it up? Like young other girl Charlie, female Charlie. And I, I thought Anne was hilarious because she would just be the kid like on her phone 24-7 in today's <laughs> world. She's reading while she's like answering the phone. She's just constantly reading. I loved it. I thought that she was a very, very kind of like, I don't want to say underlooked because I don't think she's probably underlooked, but I thought she tied a lot of the different aspects together, like making it a believable family. Yeah. Um, Because that's kind of how the dynamic works. Like it's, it's a normal suburban family that gets rocked by knowing that... (laughs) you know, this uncle that everyone looks up to is a serial killer um, or potential serial killer. Spoiler alert, he is. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I really liked kind of seeing that balance between like those really tense scenes where it's like very thriller versus kind of the calm suburban aspect to it. And if, if it's the male Charlie, I'm going to call him Uncle Charlie. But if it's the girl Charlie, I'm just going to call her Charlie. Teresa Wright. Um, <laughs> seeing her gradually kind of come to the realization, it's, it's a satisfying kind of route that she takes along yeah. with the, the two, I guess, detectives that are on the trail. And Which are like some of those scenes were so amazing when they're scoping out the house. Like, yeah. now time for the hallway. <laughs> yeah, now it's time for the hallway. Oops, snap. <laughs> picture. Oh um, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh sorry there, boss. I didn't mean to get you in that one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And and then Charlie's just so like 
he's actually very sus. I would say that I would be <laughs> sus. And I will tell you when that would, I mean, the alarm bells are kind of ringing from a few things that he does, like the newspaper and like grabbing her wrists, like yeah. way too intensely. But I think the moment where he gives his little monologue about how widowed women are like pigs, oh, <laughs> that, that's man. when I'm like, that's when I'm like, boss, time out here. You know, <laughs> it was just so like over the top intense that and I don't think that Charlie, other Charlie knew at that point that he was the killer but like that was the moment where it like all clicked or maybe it like confirmed it without a doubt without a shadow of a doubt Um, (laughs) and so like most Hitchcock movies I really liked a lot of the the camera angles like his shots are just beautiful so like the one that was my favorite probably was when Uncle Charlie is reading the newspaper and he like I can't remember if it was beneath him and then he goes up and then brings it down i think that's what happened Mm -hmm. and also and when i was first watching it i was like there's a little too much uh admiration of uncle charlie here young charlie it's a little weird like incest vibes sexual vibes yeah heavy (laughs) uncle charlie i don't need to look at this ring i already know it's going to be good like it's weird i honestly honestly god i thought that he was proposing to her when he gave her the ring at first i was like what the hell is this i think that adds to the morbidity of this movie of like oh my god is she into her uncle um and it just makes it more twisted and weird but her like super horny friend who like (laughs) is watching uncle charlie and then looks at the detectives and it's like anytime a man is in the general vicinity she's just like stupefied she has no words she's just like sitting there just staring and i'm like chill lady but uh but yeah that was a really kind of weird dynamic that they had at the very beginning i was like what the hell is going on here but yeah as she kind of realized that lo and behold she um she couldn't really feel that way about uncle charlie anymore but yeah i i, I thought it was also just kind of interesting how i mean she had a million chances to tell her family that uncle charlie was a, the killer and she just never did it or she would just put herself in the house like i would be yeah. non-stop in public that's what i time. was thinking when i was yeah. watching this the other day i was like i feel like i'd spend a few days out of town maybe <laughs> I, I, i'd be in the diner i'd have the yeah. waitresses being like you've been here an awful lot lately uh, mm-hmm. is anything going on but <laughs> yeah so i i was so frustrated with some of charlie's decisions especially after the car in the garage scene, yeah. I was like, how? When like you're first opening up your eyes, I thought that was the moment when she was going to be like, you're the killer in front of like everyone else. But somehow miraculously, she kept it a secret and never like broke her, her mom's heart, the yeah. sister of Uncle Charlie. So I guess I respect that. But at the same time, like I totally wouldn't have done that or... I can say that as a spectator, but in the, <laughs> I think that's just what adds kind of like to the intrigue about it is that like you kind of try to put yourself in that place and it's like, would you really do it? Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people probably would. And it just comes down to like that very last moment that you know that's coming where Uncle Charlie's going to, you know, he's going to try to off Charlie and somehow ends up falling off the side of a train. <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't know. It's a I wild ending. I don't know how that happened. Spoiler <laughs> alert. It, it, sorry. But anyways, um, 
I don't know how she like overpowered him or what happened. Maybe it was slippery, but I also think that the porter was secretly in on it. I think the porter is in cahoots with Uncle Charlie somehow. I got those vibes, but yeah, I thought it was, I I thought it was just a really, uh, a really fun kind of movie to, to see. I I definitely got some, uh, yeah, incest vibes here and there, (laughs) but I thought that it was, it was cool to kind of see like, uh, like a caper. I don't even know how I would describe this. It's it's definitely kind of like a thriller in that it's, suburban setting that yeah, a lot of people can kind of relate to. Yeah, it's just it's a weird movie, but it's really enjoyable. I don't know how to explain it. Um I kind of have a list of some of my favorite things about the movie uh personally. Mm-hmm. I just the writers on this film are masters of capturing the lives of ordinary people and yeah. making it seem special and something you can connect to. I mean, meet me in St. Louis. Come on, our town. It's literally, there's no props. It's literally about just a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. So this movie feels to me the most realistic out of any of the Hitchcock films I watch. Like this is something where I could watch and feel like this could happen to me. Right. Like I could be living my normal boring everyday life. And then, you know, my relative comes into town. And it's, oh, she's a serial killer. Um, mm. I could see that happening. And he kind of talks like, he, he touches upon that with like his sort of mean conversation right. at the diner. Like, you're just a silly girl. You don't understand the world and how it works. And you just like, you're living this life where it's so predictable and boring. And you, you're just going to go to sleep and have your little dreams and he just kind of smashes it and kind of bring he he brings reality to her kind of whether she wants it or not and I, it's oddly a coming of age story uh, <laughs> killing your <laughs> killing your uncle who's also a serial killer but uh, no I I think yeah there's just a lot of parts of it that are cool that uh, that just kind of pop up yeah yeah and and with that I mean the feel is enhanced because this was filmed on site in Santa Rosa and it wasn't a set this was a real house it still exists today. Uh, which I think makes, again, it feel more authentic. And, oh, my God, like, like a bunch of the town, this, it really feels like small-town America, uh, like the whole traffic stop, the diners, the library, which is beautiful. It no longer exists. I believe it was torn down. Uh, gorgeous library. Speaking of which, that librarian interaction is one of my favorites. When she gets there at like 9 and the librarian's like, if I make an exception for you, I have to make one for everyone. And... I love reading as much as the next person, but I don't think you're going to get hordes of people trying to get into the library <laughs> right, after right. hours. Yeah. Uh, so funny and really cool. Joseph Cotton just nails, does a phenomenal portrayal of a sociopath. Mm-hmm. He has the charm, but he has, he has the look. Re- yeah. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> and, and he has really dark moments, uh, especially that pig monologue. Uh, which really sends them over the edge. I also, there's other things that feel really realistic too, like the dad's, it's kind of a running gag, the dad's ongoing conversation with his friend about how they'd go about killing each other to get away with it. Because we as people, we love Dayline. We love talking murder mysteries and stuff. But (laughs) then for it to hit you so close to home like that, it it really sends a shudder through your body. Yeah, Um, (laughs) We talk about killing each other to relax. Okay. <laughs> it's so cool. And I really do find this to be a cautionary tale of putting someone on a pedestal. Yeah. And like we said, there's just, it covers a lot of different bases. You've got this weird incestual 
thing going on. You've got the romance between Charlie and her suitor. Uh, you've got the thriller. You've got a flirtation of the horror genre of like, why is she doing so many stupid things? Uh, yeah. Like you'd watch in a normal horror movie. And yeah, there's a little mystery. It's it's really cool. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I, I was happy that I got the chance to see it just because, I mean, normally it's not one that I would pick out, but with someone like Alfred Hitchcock, and him claiming it as his favorite of his films. It's like, you have to see what it's about. You have to see what he liked about it. And even just when you mentioned like that crazy monologue pig scene, um, him, he's not really looking at the camera. It's like very dark. He's kind of looking straight and it's the right side of his face. That's like semi-profile, but not completely. And then when he turns and he's like, what do you think, Charlie? That is a moment where your heart kind of skips a beat. And it's the master of suspense. You know, it's it's just Hitchcock's finest. So yeah, definitely check it out if you I mean it's a must watch if you're a Hitchcock fan. But if you enjoy thrillers and maybe if you just kind of wanna like little bender, like a mind bender, uh definitely, definitely check it out. Yeah. So thank you, Emma. That was a great one. This has been a really, yeah. really fun kind of little experiment that we did. Yeah, uh, I loved it. Out, yeah, picking out movies for each other that we haven't seen, but we have. So definitely have to do it again in the future. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, let us know if you have seen either of these movies or if there's a movie out there that you think is overlooked a lot. We'd love to check it out and add it to our list because maybe we haven't seen it either. Mm-hmm. I still think Anatomy of Murder is one of the one of the greatest movies that oh, I mean so it's, I have seen recently, and I'm so happy that we got that recommendation, and I absolutely loved it. And so, yes, please, if there's anything else that you want to either have us feature or something that you think that we'll just like in general, hit us up Instagram Old Soul Movie Podcast on Twitter Old Soul Pod. Uh, check us out on Patreon. You can actually support the show finally. We would really, really appreciate it if you guys consider donating to the show, to the cause and all the costs that go into it, all the time and effort that we spend trying to make a little bit of an entertaining show for you. We would just appreciate it a thousand times over. So uh, please visit us, Old Soul Movie Podcast on Patreon. And yeah, Emma, do you have anything else before we sign off? Uh, No, like I said earlier, this week and next week are going to be really chill for us. Kind of a little bit of a break. Um, But check out our social media because we'll have some of our past episode recommendations out there. And I'm very excited for our holiday season. Jack and I have set it up and we are thrilled. So it's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, hopefully it's a very easy ending to 2020. We know it's been a roller coaster of emotions uh, pretty much from the beginning to the end. So uh, hopefully when you're here with us, Old Soul Fam, you can kind of get a little escape from reality and just enjoy some classic cinema. So yeah, until next time, everybody take care.